0: Welcome to the Daily Business Hustle podcast. My name is Alexander Vitkin. I'm the creator and founder of the Daily Business Hustle. On this podcast, I share with you my top unbiased business advice, sales advice, and I talk to the world's top experts in their fields related to business. Hey, welcome. I'm here with Gulliver Giles, and uh, Gulliver is most famous for his uh, armor of God, the strategic objection handling system and uh, he's really big on getting people to buy from a place of love and respect, but not taking any crap from them either. So he's uh, a coach in, uh, in sales, and he runs a 3 dollars company coaching people in sales, and he's worked in uh, 70 to 80 different industries, so he's been around, and he's really good at systematizing sales, and scripting for teams. So you can go into almost any business and systematize their sales and make a script so their business makes a lot more sales. In fact, um, he regularly goes into large companies with 5 to 10 people on their teams and doubles and triples their sales results. So uh, welcome, Gulliver. and Thank you for joining us. Uh, What is your website, Gulliver, in case people want to look you up?
1: Oh gosh. Um, it is dub 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 Strategic anarchy.
0: You also have a game uh, website, is that right?
1: That's cool, yeah. The Sword of Sales, SwordofSales.com. Sword of Sales, which is a a geeky computer game in the style of old old school kind of text based game, which you go through and it creates a sales approach for you at the end. It emails you through a sales script that you can use which is yeah, really cool. Yeah.
0: I've been through that today. It was really, really nice, actually. <laughs> it's
1: fun. It's fun. I think, you know, learning should be fun, and um, I'm a bit of an old-school computer gamer and Dungeons and & Dragons kind of playing kind of geek deep down inside. I, I'm often closing sales on the phone and at the same time playing Skyrim or Call of Duty. So, yeah, Whoa. it's good to have something that reflects your personality, yeah?
0: Awesome. <laughs> Um, so, obviously, you're not new to sales, but uh, we're going to discuss, this in an interview, we're going to discuss both newbie topics and more advanced topics, just because, you know, my audience, they're uh, more interested in both. Awesome. So, yeah, let's just dive right in there, okay? Okay, cool. So, I had a question from one of our audience members, actually, and it says, um, for someone just starting out with business... What is the biggest advantage, according to you, uh, in starting with sales as opposed to if someone were to start with copywriting or other kinds of marketing? What is the advantage of actually starting in sales? Well, I
1: think you know every business at its core is a sales and marketing business, and it's important to, of course, understand marketing to generate better leads, but. I I see a lot of people spending a lot of time building the amazing marketing system that never sees the light of day, or the incredible book that never gets seen, or the incredible website that costs a billion dollars but doesn't create sales, whereas if you put your skill set in sales first, you are able to generate conversations, you're able to talk to people, and I think the big difference is if you look at online conversion, you know, typical online conversions, one, two, three, four, maybe, you know, if you're doing really well, 5% conversion. Um, If you're doing very well, but it costs a lot of money to drive traffic to create that. Whereas if you're looking at calling people, you know, a a terrible salesperson creates 5% conversion. An okay, mediocre salesperson converts 1 in 10. A good salesperson converts 2 in 10 or more. A really, you know, an effective good salesperson, was quite good will close 3, 4, 5. I've got students who close 8 out of 10. So you're going to get a lot more control out of having a conversation and making that call. Uh, it's very difficult to ignore somebody who's calling you um, versus, you know, an email or something that you'd been sent in your in-tray that you can just delete. So I, I think marketing is important. I think marketing is vital. I think understanding copywriting and persuasion in writing is, is immensely important. Um, but I think that a lot of people are at the start in their business fearful of sales. And they are often at their own uh, peril ignoring sales skills in favor of avoiding and being on Facebook or sending emails or whatever it might be. And, and I started out there myself when I was in my first sales role. I thought I would be different than all those horrible pushy salespeople. Uh, I was going to send out some brochures in the mail and everyone would like me because I didn't try and sell them anything. And I sent out a whole bunch of brochures and guess what happened?
0: Almost no sales.
1: nothing. <laughs> you know. Then I called them all to ask them if they got my brochure, and they said they hadn't read it, and they hung up. So you know, I, I guess you can get focused on all the reasons that you can, you know, not get on the phone, and how scary it is, and how people are going to be mean to you. But people will need their problems solved, and that's what sales really is all about. Is is about solving their problems. So you're going to be able to be a lot more effective in understanding people and solving their problems if you get on the phone to them. Um, than you are if you avoid talking to them. You know If you ignore your customers and don't talk to them, you're going to make a lot less money. So I think it's very important to to be getting on the phone and calling. If you're not making any money in your startup business, get on the phone and call 100 people out of the Yellow Pages and talk to them and see what happens because it's, 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 it's going to make you a lot more money than sitting there sending emails to people you've never met. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think we live in a world a- where uh, everyone who's starting out wants to... Hide behind 15 layers of marketing and uh, get passive income (laughs) as soon as possible. Passive income, but the old you can't multiply
1: zero, you can't multiply zero, you can't leverage a pebble. You know, everybody wants to do the four hour work week in their underpants while money falls from the sky. But Zuckerberg, you know, jobs, Henry Ford, you look at all the millionaires and billionaires, the guys who've moved society forward, they all work their asses off, yeah. If you, if, you, if, you, if you don't want to work hard in, in business, then then you're not you're not supposed to be in business. You can go work at a McDonald's or somewhere where the, you can just do the least amount for the least amount of money. But if you want to run a business and be a millionaire and have passive income, it takes 10 years of working your ass off to get the business to the point where it pays you. You have to work. Sales is just hard work. What is it? Sales is the, the least paid easy work and the best paid hard work in the world. There's nothing easy about it until you get good at it, and then you're not scared of it anymore. But you don't get to be not scared of it by not doing it.
0: <laughs> <You know? laughs> Where would people be able to find a nearly endless stream of leads that they can use so they're not worried about running out of leads for cold calling, for example?
1: Okay, well, there's a the first thing that comes to mind, particularly if you're in business-to-business selling, is you have an entire yellow pages of of um, advertisements of people who were trying to get sales in their business, uh, who were looking for help and who were looking for customers. Um, So when I first started out in cold calling, I was in a call center, you had three days to make a sale. Mm -hmm. And if you didn't make a sale, they fired you. So, you know, you got the yellow pages, you got your script, you got on the phone, and off you go. Um, And I, like I just said, was very scared. Avoided making phone calls, didn't make a lot of money until I got so scared that I had to make money that I got on the phone and made fifty a 100, 150 calls a day. And that's when I started making money, and that's when I got really good at sales is when I made the effort. So yeah, that you've got the yellow pages, you have Facebook, there's people all over Facebook that you can you can um you can get onto Facebook and start a conversation about things that upset your niche and things that annoy. The target market you're going after and get them coming on your page saying yeah i really agree with that and then you get on chat to them and say hey I, i see that you're really upset about this can i help you and then you can get them on the phone and have a consultation with them one of the exercises i also do is i get them to draw up three columns so number one friends family fools people they know who can refer them so i'll get on the phone to everybody i know and say look i'm studying my business i'm looking for this guy if you know this guy going through these problems refer me the second column of the list i would get you to drop if you don't have any leads is business people you know who have customers who might be your clients so joint venture strategic partnerships people you could ring up and say hey you know how you've got thirteen thousand people on your email list who are interested in a b c d e f g thing that i do can you send out an email so that i can talk to some of them and the third thing is the lowest hanging fruit the people you know who need what you have they might be in the yellow pages. They might be on Facebook. They might be friends. They might be people you know who you can sell to right away. So if you do those things, there's always someone to call, and that's an exercise I get all my people to do when they first start with me before their lead generation's working, before they figure out pay-per-click, it's usually ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 worth of windfall cash just sitting there in your current network if you go out to them and, and work that network properly, yeah?
0: Mm. I actually even... Uh four or five years ago went down the street and visited every single business on my street just to cover all the bases (laughs) you never know from a
1: walk-in what you could get
0: yeah got me a sale because there was a lot of businesses on my street so
1: you only need a couple to get you started exactly Mm
0: -hmm. okay awesome (laughs) uh do you use any kind of scrapers uh like the yellow page scrapers or anything like that
1: I've heard that I've heard people use those. I haven't called the yellow pages in a very long time. Um, I'm fortunate now that we are where we are that we have um, we have a database in excess of ten thousand people in the database. So we have plenty of people know who we are, and we have probably most of our business these days is coming straight through referral. People who've met me on Facebook, friends of Frank Kearns, friends of Ryan Dice's. The guys who I work with are. Very high level, and um, the programs I belong to are very high level. So, I get a lot of people coming to me saying, "Hey, can you help me?" And which is wonderful. I made like you know, hundred and sixty thousand dollars in January, and half of it was people just coming to me saying, "I've heard you're awesome. Here's ten, 000, twenty thousand dollars," which is great. So, I haven't had to call the yellow pages in a very long time. But when you're starting out, if you're just new, do whatever the hell you can do to get numbers, provided it's legal, of course, you know. But um, yeah, you, you got to get it there and get your name out there, and that's certainly how we started out we didn't have a lot of we didn't have a lot of leads we had you know 50 people on the database i called every single person sold 25 of them into a seminar and off we went but yeah those were tough days we didn't have a lot of leads so i could i would call i would network i would ask for referrals i would do whatever i could
0: what would you say are some things you recommend for people to track because obviously everyone who's in sales should be tracking their conversion rates and all that kind of stuff so what should people be tracking in their funnel uh, from warm or cold leads? Like, And what should they be using, like Excel, Salesforce? What do you use exactly?
1: I, I, I just have a piece of paper um, on my desk, and I track
0: – well, I have a
1: whole – my sales script has a tick-boxing system where I track every single stage of my script. So if I have a salesperson, I will have them tracking – where they're losing the call, where they're getting hung up on, where people are losing interest, where they feel they're getting stuck, so I can coach them on the right part of the script to know that they're getting through the process so that they're actually getting all the way through to the objections, and then I get them to track which objections they're struggling with and which objections they're losing sales to. On a daily basis, I would get them to track how many calls, dialed calls they make, how many people they actually got through to for a conversation, and where they've had objections what objections they've won what objections they've lost you know where they're having trouble and i get them to do that throughout the hours of the day so you know between nine and ten between ten and eleven between eleven and twelve between twelve and one between one and two so i know what calls they're making on an hourly basis where they're getting the best results so i can then do statistics on okay here's this person they are making not enough dials here and they're losing energy here and they're not doing this here and they're losing this sale here so i know exactly what to coach them on because i know exactly where they're getting stuck okay so so you know when you're a sales manager and the salesperson comes in and they're like oh you know i just don't know if i'm cut out for this job and you're like okay cool tell me what's going on alexander and he's like well you know I just feel like I'm no good at it, and you're like, okay, cool, well, why do you feel that way? I don't know. I just feel like everyone hates me. Okay. (laughs) And you've had this conversation, I'm sure, but when you get them to do their stats, it's like, okay, cool, you've made 10 phone calls, you got through to one person, and they said no. So I know why you feel like shit, because the only conversation you had today was mean to you, but you're not going to get any better unless you get back on the phone. You're not doing enough calls. So if you've got the actual metrics, if you've got the actual statistics, you can say to that person, all right, here's how to fix it. But if you don't know, if you're not tracking any of those things, you don't know where they're getting stuck, you don't know what objections they're getting, and you can't put it in perspective because people do this thing, you know, they read the newspaper, they see the bad headline, and they focus on that. Same with sales. They have one shit conversation, and they they go off the rails. Okay, you've made 100 calls, you got through to 50 people, 25 of them were busy, you're getting kicked off the phone too early before you have the conversation. You need to be more assertive with them. So let's look at your introduction. Where are you stuffing up your introduction? So we look at each stage of where they are. We know where they're getting thrown off the phone, and we can fix that. So rather than not knowing and just having to go on their emotions and their, oh, I feel terrible, oh, everything sucks, we know where they're going wrong. We know where in the script they're screwing it up. We know where they feel as if they're losing control, and it's very easy for us to then say, "Okay, here's where you're screwing it up. Here's what to fix."
0: Okay. Okay. And how do you decrease the attrition of uh, of uh, all these salespeople who are leaving early, like after three weeks or so? Um, Ma- make either- them make them more sales in the first week. <laughs> I've even seen. Uh, I mean, I have, I have a client who's uh, who has a lot of sales people working for him but he, they're always leaving after a certain period of time and they do get sales i mean these guys get 30% commission which is huge on a very high ticket item that's massive yeah
1: so when you say they do get sales that's a really like it's a big there's a, there's a whole bunch of things could be going wrong right so one of the things is team culture That could be, you know, it could be like there's something bad going on in the team. The other one could be it's terrible leads and they're not getting well prepared enough clients and it's a really hard job. One of it could be they're not making enough money and they're not making enough commission. Um, It's difficult to say what's going on on his floor, but without talking to him and asking him some more questions. But what I find is that week one, people are shitting themselves, you know, because they're they're being pushed to do the job. They make the dials, they get a sale or two. Week two, they figure, oh, I've got this nailed. This is awesome. I fucking know how to do this now. Everything's going to be fine. I'm going to make a million dollars, and they stop making phone calls, and they make less phone calls, or they're lazy. And then week comes along, week three comes along, and there is no pipeline and there's no sales, and all of a sudden they shit themselves and they walk out the door and they find something else. That's what I've seen happen, and understanding that pattern, (laughs) understanding that issue, uh, knowing it's coming and how to prepare for it is massive. So if you know what they're going to do and the way they do that, then you know to be on them and to be walking the floor and managing their metrics and making sure their dial rates are still up and they're not fudging their statistics and watching and monitoring what they're doing in week two and week three to really make sure they consistently keep on doing it and you build that iron cage of expectation around their timeliness, around their dial rate, around their call targets, around all of those things, yeah?
0: Okay. Um, But you also told me in a previous conversation we had that you don't want your salespeople to spend too much time on filling in sheets and all that kind of stuff. Could you talk about that for a little bit?
1: I, I guess what I, I guess what I said to you, and um, I think you said to me, you know, like so. What what CRM would you use? What should you use? An Excel sheet? Should you use this? Should you use that? My thing is, if there is a paper, a simple A4 piece of paper that they do that on every hour, they just tick 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 tick. We're not talking about, you know. The call center is silent because all of these people are on their computer filling in contact forms on Infusionsoft for four hours out of eight hours of the working day. You know what I mean? Yeah. Database maintenance, CRM maintenance is important, but if you're going to have people do it, have them do it at 4.30. You know, have have them fill it in before they leave. You know, have a break at lunchtime that they can catch up on some paperwork or some emails. But if you've got people, they make a call, They send an email. They update the database. Then they're making a call. I went into this company the other day, and they're a million-dollar-plus property uh, wealth coaching company. And the guys, you know, when you go in as a sales coach, sometimes people try and tell you how it's going to be. And one of their guys said, oh, you know, I can't be making 50 calls a day. It's impossible. And I just about lost my mind. (laughs) 50. (laughs) Okay. I'm like, on, on on a good day my lead salespeople, you know, 150, 120 calls, you know, a day, you know, then they're calling, 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 calling. And I found out the reason was that he's taking all this time to send faxes and emails and fill out contact forms on the CRM. And isn't that fun? And we're not, we're spending out of eight hours of the working day, we're spending an hour at lunch and four hours filling out contact forms. It's a wonder we get any sales done at all because that level of energy, the level of intensity and contact just isn't there. Yeah, so if you're if you've got your guys filling out really complicated stuff, that's great. You've got to really maintain your database, but you're going to lose sales. I think what you're best off doing is having them come in at eight thirty in the morning, prepare their list, get all the stuff on a piece of paper on their desk, and dial until midday. Tap their lunch, and at lunchtime, if they need to update some details on the database or process some payments or whatever it might be, then through till three or four o'clock in the afternoon, dial, 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 dial then do some maintenance, do some contact forms, report their statistics, whatever it might be. So that you've got two really big chunks of three or four hours of dialing where you can really make sure that you do the contact that you need to do because a salesperson's job is to sell. You can hire a twenty, thirty dollars 30000 a year low-level low employee to fill out the sheets and add the stuff to the CRM and the database and run the, run the marketing numbers. Uh, off the back end. You don't need to say they should be on the phone. That's where they need to be. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I also recommend people regularly to spend at least four solid hours. I uh, We say if we don't spend four solid hours on the phone dialing and talking per day, you're not doing sales. <laughs> I think you've got to make sure that you get what you focus
1: on. If you focus on having a really well-maintained database and no sales, that's great, but if you focus on getting through to people, having conversations and solving their problems, then there's there's a lot more value in that for your salesperson than in being bogged down in in administrative tasks.
0: Okay, perfect. So why do you recommend scripts for teams or um, do you recommend a structure as well? In which cases do you recommend scripts, and in which cases do you, um, you know, scale it down a little bit?
1: I think, I think for me, like I've been in sales for over ten years now, and I am very, very good at what I do. But what I do comes out in a very scripted fashion. I mean, I don't sound scripted. What I do comes out every single time very, very similar because I've been doing it for so long that it's just the same exact strategy that works every single time. Yeah? Um, When I have a new salesperson, they don't know what I know. They They haven't been in sales for 10 years. In fact, I don't hire experienced salespeople because they've ordinarily got such dreadful habits they've picked up elsewhere. I hire new people and I build them into the kind of salesperson I want because it's less work. So... I will always use a script with those guys because I want them to say exactly what I say, exactly the way I say it. I want them to perform exactly the way I do it because that's what works. Um, And that way I can also track where they're getting stuck and I know exactly what they're doing wrong so I can fix it so there's no confusion. I know exactly what's going on. I know exactly where they're getting stuck. I know exactly where their problems are. I know exactly how to solve them. And we're all on the same page. We're all on a single system. We're all on the same platform. We're all doing the same thing so there's no danger of them making it up as they go along and screwing it up and I can't help them if I don't know what they're doing. I can't help them, I can't help manage their script or their presentation or tweak it or help them through objections if I don't know how they're handling it and they're doing it differently every single time they get on the phone does that make sense? Yeah absolutely So it's about systems, it's about systemizing that to the point where it's seamless. And if you look at major volume call centers, if you look at, you know, the 2-3 400 seat call centers that take inbound calls for the bank, that take inbound calls for large organizations, every single thing they say is on a script. If you look at large outbound market research call centers and big million dollar plus companies, they're all scripted. Yeah, like they're all scripted to the nail because they have very strict guidelines about what they want their people to say. Because they've done the research, and over years and years and years and years, they know what converts every single time. Yeah.
0: Okay. So that's okay. Why. that's why I do it. And do you ever take them off the script? Are they allowed to t- be taken off the script after several months, for example?
1: Um, look, I have never had a salesperson who has gone off the script with my permission <laughs> uh-huh. um, and I've never had a salesperson that stayed with me for 10 years either so um, it's, it tends to be one of those um, one of those jobs where people come to me particularly with me they will come to me they'll stay with me for a year or two and then they'll go start their own business um, and I want them doing it a particular way because it's the way that works um, what will happen is they will get taken off script by the customer wanting to go down a tangent and uh, you know you've probably had that happen to you too. You know, you're, you're saying one thing and then they rush off asking a question going down a whole nother stream. I have a technique to get them back on track and back onto script because I want them to go through that process to get to the end of the script where the sale happens, yeah? So I don't... I don't... Um, I don't recommend allowing your salespeople to be uncontrolled and unmonitored and un measured in what they're doing because if you can measure it you can improve it and you can refine it if you can't measure it, if you don't know what they're doing they might be great they might be amazing they might be converting but if if you don't know what they're saying they could be saying any old thing you know what i mean like we had a salesperson came on board worked from home didn't know what they were doing um trusted them and we got a whole bunch of refunds because we didn't know what they were saying yeah and i i guess i i Maybe that's turned me against you know, not monitoring and not uh, recording and measuring what people do because I find that, number one, they get way better results when I'm there to help them. And number two, they're not saying stuff which is untrue. They're not selling things the wrong way and causing refunds and problems. Um, they're not saying things which could land us in legal difficulties because we've got everything measured,
0: yeah? Makes sense. Mm. By the way, uh, getting back to what you said before about... Mm. So if a, a potential client goes off on a question and answer spree and just tries to ask too many questions, what is your uh, particular method that you use that you mentioned before to get them I back use, on track?
1: I, I use the start of my armor of God technique, which is my objection handling technique. So the first thing I'll do is I will pattern interrupt them and then active listen them. So, so Alexander, hang on. So what I hear you asking is blah, 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 blah. You just asked, Is that correct? Thank you. Thank you so much for raising that. Let me reassure you, you we, we will cover that, but I'm doing this in a particular way. This process I'm taking you through has been designed specifically to give you the most possible value. So do you mind, we'll just go back onto the process and make sure that we take you through every step properly, and then we'll we'll cover that off a little bit later in the call. Does that make sense? Excellent. So my next question is whatever it is.
0: Okay, makes sense. So active,
1: okay. listen, active listen them you know let them know that you've heard them reward them for bringing that up and reassure them it will be covered but you have a specific process you're taking them through and you'll get to that later
0: on okay okay great same thing
1: can from when you're selling from stage if you're if you're selling from stage and someone interrupts you in the middle of your sage, stage sale to try and ask you a stupid question when you're trying to close you say look we'll be covering that off a bit later on um, and then resume what you were doing so active listen hear what you're saying you're asking me this correct thank you so much for raising that it is an important thing and I'll reassure you I will cover that in a minute um, but I've just got to get through this process that I'm running here for you guys to all get the value okay thank you cool so the next question is blah 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 yeah but just sidestep the whole thing completely and cover it off later in objection handling if it's still an objection yeah mm-hmm.
0: cool so could you could you guide us through some stats That you've been getting, like for example, the close rates. um, Some newbie sales guys get intermediates, advanced, um, maybe even large teams and small teams. Could you just uh, guide us through some impressive stats that you have gathered over the years?
1: Well, look, I mean, you know, I guess it depends on whereabouts you're at. It's like I said before, you know, if you're a terrible salesperson or if you're calling a dreadfully very very cold list, and you're not confident, um, I would say, you know, 5%, 1 in 20 people you speak to would be about average. Um, if you're good and you're doing what you're told and you're your first two, two or three months or whatever it is in sales and you're closing one or two out of 10, then you're doing okay. Um, I've got a student at the moment who's closing, you know, eight out of 10 into a $15,000 call off cold Facebook traffic, um, but that's she's two years in, you know, and she's been working with me very hard for two years to develop that skill set. Um, to the point now where she's deciding that she doesn't want to close eight out of ten people. She's going to be more selective. She wants to sell less people at a more expensive price point. So she's going to, she's actually trying to reduce her conversion, And reject more people from her process, which is counterintuitive. I know, but when it gets to that point, you're like, "Hey, would I rather close, you know, two people for thirty thousand dollars, or you know, ten people at a thousand dollars, or whatever it is?" So she's going after better clients. So she wants to close less. But be more selective about who she does close to high value if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Um do, do you have any any other stats, like for teams? what would your average medium sized company um have for close rates if they're just calling, say, yellow page leads? Do yeah. I'd say, like I'd, I'd say the
1: good guys I'd say the good guys will get like three out of ten. Yeah. Like you know, newbies tend to be like one out of ten. As they get better, two to three out of ten. Three out of ten is probably about average.
0: Wow, it sounds really, really high. <laughs> I yeah. mean, um, previously, I mean, from from guys <clears throat> who are selling four or five thousand web- dollar websites, I've heard one out of thirty, honestly, from uh, cold leads like that. So the numbers are telling me really, really impressive, actually. <laughs>
1: Well look, you need you need to have a good script and you need to have a good objection handling system in place to be able to achieve those sorts of results though. You know, it doesn't it doesn't happen if they're just pulling shit out of their ass. It has to happen in a way that they're constantly refining it. And you know, you're looking at somebody who's built a script over years to get it this good. Um and that's what I train my people with. Okay. So it's not it didn't get that way by accident. <laughs> <laughs> okay. A lot of a lot of blood, sweat and tears went into that.
0: Yeah. So um, I actually get a lot of people asking, especially in the mastermind, who, um, who who you actually want to sell to. So when you're on a call with someone, what are some of the screening techniques that do you, do you use? And how far do you go in screening and s- selecting the kind of clients that you want to work with? I
1: think, look, it, my, my script has an introductory phase where I greet them in a particular way. And then it has a risk reversal and then I ask them very quickly to tell me more about them and I have a probing section for the first 20 minutes of the call which I will elicit from them uh, what sort of business they're running and that will be something that like, if they are running a multi-level marketing company I will reject them. Uh, if they are running a franchise I will often reject them if they're a franchisee. Um, if they are under a particular mount, or if they're in raw startup, depending on their attitude, I might reject them. Um, so my, my probing process on the front end looks from the outside and sounds from the outside to the prospect as if I am incredibly enthusiastically interested in them, which I am, but it is also designed specifically in order to elicit information to see whether this is someone that I'm going to close, and if it is, what I'm going to close them into, and I will profile them at that point, into what I'm going to be selling them throughout the rest of the script, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, I will look at how much they're turning over. I will look at what sort of industry they're in. There are certain industries I will not work with for various reasons. Um, I don't tend to work with multi level marketers. I don't tend to work with franchises, mainly because those industries are restricted very much in what they're allowed to do and how they're allowed to do it. And they don't have a lot of uniqueness in terms of what they're marketing or the ability to define a unique value proposition against anybody else who sells the same thing they sell. So they're more difficult to help in that sense. And when we have taken them on, they've been opportunity, biz opportunity people who are no, not really kind of building a business that they care about, but who are just trying to make a quick buck. And that's not something that kind of, aligns with my values i'm looking to to really deal with someone who wants to make money and be successful but who's passionate about what they do and it's often someone who's created that business themselves from scratch and is proud of it and is in a position where they have skin in the game what i found with a lot of people at that raw startup phase or who are you know in their first couple of years in business, is they tend to be the people who also change their mind about whether they want to be in business or not and they're not a hundred percent I find it's much easier to deal with people at the plus six-figure, seven-figure mark who are committed to what they're doing, who've been doing it for a long time, who are serious about the skill sets that I teach, particularly since I teach sales. Sales is very confronting and difficult for most people, aren't cut out for it or refuse to do the work in order to get better at it. So I, I have to be very selective about who I will train in sales because they're often unworthy of the of the challenges and the tasks that I'm going to set for them, Yeah.
0: Okay, so this is uh, this makes a lot of sense for, for your niche. Um, let's take another example, if you don't mind, because you, you've been in dozens of different industries with, with clients, right? So what about if you're selling a $5,000 website, what would you screen for personally?
1: Me, personally, if I was selling a website?
0: If you were selling $5,000 websites and you were calling accountants in Australia.
1: I would be looking particularly for uh, people who are looking to create a website that creates leads and creates growth and creates money. I'd be looking for somebody with a minimum um, net purchase in excess of two or three thousand dollars, so that I could very easily make a business business to business ROI case when I show them the model of what my website is going to do for them, of how it's going to generate leads for them, of how much traffic spend they'll need to create a sale. I want to be able to demonstrate ROI. So I'm going to be looking for someone that I can definitely create a return on investment for very, very quickly. Um, And I'm going to be selling them from the point of view of how that website is a money-making proposition, not just a website. Does that make sense?
0: Yes. So it sounds like you would be looking for people who are already spending money on ads. Uh, Would you agree with that?
1: Maybe not. Maybe not necessarily. Actually, I prefer that they are someone who I could show how to do that and I would teach them how to do that or sell them that as a service on top of the website as an ongoing, hey, let me manage traffic for you and show you how this works. That'd be how I'd do it. If I was in a service industry, in the industry I'm in, I sell information on how to create that kind of a lead funnel and in the marketing arm of our business, we sell courses on how to turn a thousand dollars into you know ten fifteen thousand dollars using facebook traffic but if i was a website designer i wouldn't be making this the mistake most website designers make which is that they sell the website i would be selling making money and getting customers from the website that's how i'd sell it so i'd want to make sure that that customer was somebody who has the ability to close sales that customer is somebody who has the ability to do the deal. That customer is somebody who I know if I build them a website, they're going to make a lot of money from it and they're going to give me a great testimonial. I want to know that they sell something reasonably expensive so that I can make them a lot of money very quickly. Does that make sense?
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
1: Because that's what's going to sell later on in the call. If you've got all that information up front and they're a good client, then it's very easy at the end of the call to convince them of how you can help them because they've already kind of convinced themselves.
0: And you have a perfect track record because you only work with guys you know you're going to produce results for.
1: That's 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 very much a big part of where I'm going these days. Is like I, I get two kinds of people come into my stuff: people who don't do the work and don't get results and complain about it because they didn't do the work, and people who do the work and get results. Um, I am constantly battling, vigilantly, to remove people from my funnel who are idiots who are never going to do the work because <laughs> they are they are the fucking bane of my existence, and I I, I just. I get three kinds of people. I get the free pool who just want to have a free conversation with me, and that's okay. They're reasonably harmless. They'll never do anything. They're wasting their own time more than they're wasting mine because I get paid every call I make no matter what. If I close three out of ten people into a $10,000 course, I'm making $3,000 a call for everyone that says no. So from that point of view, um, the free pool don't bother me. It's the cheap pool who will buy your course, not do the work, and then either go away and complain to everybody about how your course didn't work, what they really mean is they didn't do the work, or they'll go and they'll refund on you or whatever and they end up costing you cash flow and you can least afford it. Yeah, you know, I'd rather not deal with that. So I'm very restrictive about who I'll deal with these days. I'm getting more and more selective.
0: How long did it take you to get to that point, by the way? Because that sounds like a very good point to be at. <laughs>
1: Um, look, it, it, it's it been a hard road. I, I used to want to please everybody and I used to think I could help everybody, but the fact is not everybody wants to help themselves. So in the last year or two, I've really become incredibly um, more and more and more looking at my sales processes, not even a sales process, but more of a process of exclusion, a disqualification process.
0: Reducing the close rate. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um,
1: and selling more expensive things. You know, do, so I, I, I'm yeah. focusing now on going into a corporation who will pay me twenty five thousand dollars a day to make them two hundred and fifty thousand dollars that week. You know, and then selling them into an ongoing consulting program where they'll pay me $10,000 a month at a percentage of profits above an agreed mark or whatever it is, I'd rather sell that customer than the broke startup who doesn't know whether they want to be a life coach or go back to MLM, you know what I mean?
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> that doesn't sound like an ideal customer. Not <laughs> oh, fun. Um, okay, L- let's move on to the next part, which is uh, going to be very interesting, I think, and just to reward people who stayed on this long in the in the video so what is the general process you go through in every sales call and especially the one that you teach to others well very simply
1: i mean there's obviously only so much detail we can cover in the next 20 minutes but there's an introductory phase where i Basically, there's a few tricks I use to get that person to like me almost instantaneously. So I'll call and I'll be, hey, is that Alexander? Yes. Alexander Vicken? Yes. Alexander Vicken, you are the very man I need. I, I hear you're a man of, of great taste and distinction. So what am I doing there is I've got you to say yes, yes, yes. Also, your name is, you know, you've been hearing it since you are a little baby. So you're like, yeah, that's me. Yeah, that's me. Yeah, that's me. Yeah, what do you want? Even if you're in a bad mood, there's a buying question, consciously or subconsciously. You're thinking, "What is this about? I want to know what the hell this is about." And then I say, "Well, actually, I hear you're a man of great taste and distinction." You're like, "What the fuck is this guy? What?" Yes. Yeah. What? <laughs> well, actually, I have some evidence, Alexander, because you opted in for my my book, The Art of Sales, and that tells me you're a man who appreciates me, which makes you a man of incredible taste. <laughs> and I laughed. And I'm making a joke about myself, you know, I'm very overly confident and making fun of the fact that I'm being overly confident and I'm laughing to make them understand that it's okay to laugh. And then they laugh. And then the ice breaks. So that's my introduction. In a couple seconds, all of those things happen at once. So I'm throwing several different techniques at this person to break down their resistance and get them saying yes and get them to be compliant and get them to laugh and stop resisting me, yeah? Yeah. That's everything. If you can get that bit right, the next bit is the risk reversal. So, Alexander, I'm calling you today to offer you the discovery session that you booked in for. And today's call is all about you. I want to find out about where you are now, where you'd like to go, what's going on. And if I can help you, then great. And if not, that's cool too. But tell me your story. So what I'm saying is, look, here is where I am. You've asked for this and I'm here to deliver it. I want to see where you are, where you want to go, and if I can help you, that's good, and if not, that's cool too. If I can help you, that's good, and if not, that's cool too. It's a risk reversal, yeah? It's very kind of just a discovery call. We're not selling you anything at the moment, just figuring out where you're at, how I can help you then. So tell me all about you. That has all happened in the space of, you know, less than 20 seconds, and I've got you talking about your favorite topic of conversation, which is your business. As an entrepreneur, you'll talk about your business all day. If I shut up and let you talk, you will talk and talk and talk and talk because you care about your business. And how often does someone call you and ask you about your business? No one cares about your business except you. So if I give you an opportunity and open that up and the first action I ask you to take is to tell me more about you, then you're going to be far more likely to open up and talk to me and tell me your story. Usually at this point they'll say, oh, you, you want to hear my story? And they're shocked because they're like, someone actually cares about my story? Well, all right. Then, well, I started in 1973 and <laughs> they'll talk for 20 minutes until their voice gets sore. <laughs> and um, I will probe and prompt and dig for that information we're talking about. So, oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. Mm, I'll make those enthusiastic noises Mmm, wow, (gasps) really? Oh, mm. mmm, tell me more. Mmm, okay. (gasps) Really? That's cool. So, like that, oh, okay, yep. Mmm, and they feel, like that's like phone sex. That's like, that's like almost an erotic experience for some business people because no one fucking cares, yeah? If you care more than anybody else that ever called them and you really sound like you're interested because you actually really are, because they're giving you all the information you need to close them later on. This is your information gathering, yeah? So, okay, so tell me more about that. And how long have you been doing that? And what's your average lifetime value of a customer? And how much did you trade uh, up to last gross 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 sales figures for last financial year? And you know, where do you want to go in the next 12 months? Okay, great. So you really want to go from here to here. Is that correct? Okay, wonderful. So when they've talked all of that out, we then have the first triplicate. And the triplicate is, so Alexander, I hear you saying blah, 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 things that you just said. Is that correct? Yes. Then there's the triplicate. So there's a bit of an encapsulation and a, an a active listen and a trial close. Is that correct? Yes. I've heard it all back to you so you feel heard and understood. Right. So Alexander, I think I know which one of you this is, but tell me what you think. There are three people at this point in the conversation that I'm talking to. If you're my ideal client, usually number one you're looking for more qualified leads coming through the front door of people who want to buy what you're selling now. Or number two, you are looking to get people to spend larger amounts of money so that you can increase your profitability while dealing with less people. Or you could be number three, you are a leader of business. You are wanting to step up and scale your business And you want to put systems in place in order for you to replace your efforts as the only salesperson and to replace your efforts in the front line and be able to spread yourself further so you can be the truly managerial director of the business who counts the money and shows up at the board meetings, but the business pays you and the business does the work. Which one of those three people are you? So you're giving them three choices. What is the thing that all of those choices have in common?
0: Um, I'm not sure. Maybe it puts them in a, in a good light, <laughs> but uh, I may be mistaken.
1: I'm doing a few things. Number one is I'm showing them what I do.
0: Ah, right, 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 right. Yeah.
1: Number two is I'm asking them a question, which isn't really a question. I'm giving them a choice, which isn't really a choice. There are three ways to grow a business. Number one is by increasing the amount of sales that you're getting. Number 2 is by increasing the amount of money that you're charging and number 3 is increasing your overall frequency of purchase across all different sales points. Those are the three laws of business growth. So if you're in business, you want all of those things. You're not you're not ever going to not want more leads. You're not ever you know, you're not ever going to not want to charge more and you're not ever going to want to stay in that business if you don't have to and you can sit back on a beach and count the money whilst the, whilst the sales increase. Those are the things you want. So I'm asking you, do you want to buy or do you want to buy from me or would you like to buy from me?
0: <laughs> okay.
1: Got At it. which point, it's called an alternative close. It presents, the, it presents the alternatives, but there is no alternative. Resistance is futile. You have been, you're being closed, and you don't realize you're being closed.
0: All roads lead to the close. <laughs> Very That's good. All right.
1: So they usually say, oh, my God, I'm all three of those things. Or, oh, hey, I really need more leads. If they're really new, I just really need more leads because I just don't know what the hell I'm doing. Or, number two, I really, really, really need to make like a more valuable thing because I've got a bunch of clients, but they're a bunch of dead shits who don't pay me enough money. Or... Number three, I really, I've got so much to do. I just want more time. I want to be free of the business. I want salespeople and a marketing executive and people who can come in and do the work, but I need to create the cash flow to make that happen. So I do need more leads as well. And I do need to charge more so I can dig myself out of this hole of always having to be doing all the work. So they're going to buy, buy, or buy. Then I take them through my process. So there's a bunch of different little breakthroughs. I give them around those areas. Then I get to the end of it and I say, so, would you like to hear how I can help you? And they say, yes. And I say, well, the cost to you is all of that money and all those things that we just talked about that you're not making. The price is the hard work of doing differently, getting my help and being vulnerable. And the actual investment is a fraction of that money that you're leaving on the table right now. It's only XYZ. So would you prefer to use Visa card or Mastercard? (laughs) Okay. And yeah, then there's I another guess. alternative clause. And then I've got my objection handling if they've got any objections at that point.
0: Um, okay. Do you, do you give them a deadline? Like if they are not going to pay you immediately?
1: Um, when you say they're not going to pay immediately, do you mean like the payment plan or do you mean they don't want to pay right now?
0: They're not going to enter their credit card information right now.
1: Okay, cool. So if that's a problem, then that's not a that's not a, a thing I would solve with a deadline, because it's not actually going to solve the problem.
0: Well, well, people sometimes. I mean, in my experience, at least, they just think for three days, and then you do another call, and like more than fifty percent of the time, it goes well. So, I,
1: I I I I handle that objection and take their credit card on the first
0: call. Ah, okay, got it. Yeah. So, that, like, I don't, I
1: don't deadlines. So you need to give me, you no, you need to give me an answer within three days. I'm like, look, I hear what you're saying, and you're saying you need time to go away and think. This is the t- objection, and I appreciate where you're coming from, and I want to reward you for bringing that up, and I want to reassure you, if you're not throwing your credit card at me right now, then there's something wrong, and there's a problem that you haven't told me, or there's something that you're bothered by. And the chances are if you go away and think about it, you're going to be thinking about that problem that you haven't told me about and you're most likely 50% going to say, I can't solve that problem on my own, therefore I'm not going to buy from this guy and I will never see you again. The problem is probably solvable, but I don't know what it is. So let me remind you, when you came on this call with me, you told me that you wanted to double or treble your conversion from what it currently is with sales. And you told me that that would take your company from, you know, What was it, $2 million to $6 million? And I'd really love to help you with that, but if you've got a problem that you need to think about making an extra $4 million, if there's something so big that it's stopping you from saying, I will happily put down my credit card because I want to make that $4 million, there's something wrong here. There's two ways this can go. Number one, you don't tell me what it is. You go away and think about that problem some more, and guess what you're probably going to get? If you focus on that problem, you're probably going to find that problem is insurmountable. Or you can tell me what the problem is and I can solve it or not. And if I can't solve it, that's okay. So who do you want to be? Do you want to be the guy who doesn't tell me what the problem is? Or do you want to be the guy who just clarifies and we build a really honest relationship and you tell me what's worrying you and I'll solve it for you. And if I can't solve it, I will let you go. And then they're going to say, oh, well, it's actually money. Or, well, it's actually my wife. Or, well, it's actually I need a brochure, or I want to look at your website, or I want a referral or a testimonial, whatever the problem is. That's called the armour of God. Active listen, reward, reassure, remind, realign. Two different things that can happen. Contrast. Which one do you want to be? That's the armour of God. So, so that deals with all five major objections. That's my objection handling strategy. I just don't. Care, I just don't care. Whatever they say, I don't care about their excuse. I care about what the issue is that's stopping them, and I will just—I'm not being pushy, I'm not being mean, I'm not trying to get them to do anything they don't want to do. But I want to understand why they're not doing it, in order that I can either solve that problem or say, hey, you know, you're right, you have bigger problems than I can solve. See you later. So that's my so that's my armor of God system, which is really you know, first step, active listen, I hear what you're saying. Second step, reward, I want to reward you for being honest. Third step, I want to reassure you, we get this a lot, and if you have this problem, it's okay. But fourth step, I want to remind you, here's what you said you wanted. Fifth step, I want to realign you with that for a moment, because that's what's really important, correct? Sixth step, two different things can happen. The two stories, the negative story, the positive story. Contrast, which one of those do you want to be? Next step, trial close. So if I could get you that result, would it be worth being... The guy who actually does it and makes it you would. last step, hard close. So would you prefer to use Visa card or Mastercard for your deposit? Oh, well, actually, no, I don't have enough money. Okay, back up the top. So what I'm really hearing you saying is you don't have that kind of money. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Let me reward you for being so vulnerable. I want to reassure you, we get people come to us all the time. They're not making enough sales. They want to learn sales. Probably not having enough money in the bank account. It's not a big deal. I want to reassure you, I can help you with that. I want to remind you, you came to me saying you wanted to go from $2 million to $6 million. Is it worth finding some money to put down and then we can make a payment plan? Is it worth taking some action on that? Because there's two ways this can go. I want to realign you with this for a minute. You can be the guy who's like, I don't have the money and goes away and thinks about all the money he doesn't have and how he can't do it. Or you can be the guy who says, hey, you know what? Here's my Visa card. I've got like $1,000 on there, take it. I will go to my bank and I will get a temporary overdraft. I will go and make another couple of sales and put the money in my bank and say, hey, take the rest on Friday. The guy who says he can't means he's not going to. The guy who says, here's what I can do, makes it happen. Which one of those guys do you want to be? Contrast, which one of those guys do you want? to be? The guy who says he can't do it, doesn't do it? Or the guy who puts down his credit card, puts a deposit down, goes and finds the rest of the money, does the work and makes more money and goes from $2 million to $6 million. Which one do you want to be? Okay, so if I could get you to $6 million, would it be worth putting down a deposit? Great. How much can you put down? All right, so would you prefer to use Visa or MasterCard?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, going for the close 15 times. Oh, actually, uh, how many times?
1: Five. There's five. five. Core okay. Of- yeah, yeah. Money and time are the big ones. I don't have the money. I don't have the time. What that means is that's a value-based objection. What that means is I am not going to find the money. I don't intend to do anything about this. And you need to call them on that nicely, active listen them, reward them, reassure them, make them feel good about it, and then say, well, I'll remind you what's at stake here, so which one are we going to do? And they're like, oh, God, you're right, I'm being an idiot. Or they're like, well, fuck you. And if they are like that, then that's okay. But the difference between this and other objection handling is rebuttal. Rebuttal is when someone is just like, hey, I don't have the money. And you say, well, if you don't have the money, that's exactly the reason you've got to buy. And rebuttal <laughs> is basically telling someone they're wrong. It doesn't work. It can work with people who have low self-esteem and are easily pushed into doing things. But those are the customers who will turn around and refund. They make their mind up really easily. They're easily pushed into something, but they go home and their wife pushes them right back out of it. So. I would rather do a really strong close with a really strong objection handling that's very balanced and active listen, respectful, rewarding them for being truthful, reassuring them, helping them, then delivering that contrast so that they feel heard and understood, but they also see that there's there's a divergence between what they say they want and what they're doing, or what would happen if they actually did it. And then they go back into the close. Got it. Does
0: that make sense? Absolutely. Cool. Um okay so I do have one small final question from a viewer actually who uh, commented on Facebook when I announced that I'm going to interview you so if you don't mind so he's asking um what do you convey so part of the sales is conveying the good emotions or you know emotions in general let's let's make it more clear so what do you do for yourself in your own life, to make it so that you're full of those good emotions, so you're more effective on the phone.
1: I think what it comes back to is what Tony Robbins calls state management. So, managing your emotional state is very important. And I think when I was, when you most need to do this is when you have the least resources, which is generally when you start out in sales and you're shit scared and terrified. <laughs> it's very difficult at that stage to feel incredibly positive and emotional stable. Yeah? So what I found in that stage of my business was that I was so miserable and the debt collectors were calling me and we had three months overdue on the mortgage and they were going to take the house and it was very scary, yeah? And I had to, I had to go so far into my calls with my clients in order to escape from my horrible life And what I found out by accident was the more you cared about those people and the less you were worried about your own stuff, the better sales you made. So that was an accident. So now I very deliberately with myself and with all of my clients, I really teach people to be detached from their needs and from the outcome of making the sale or not making the sale and be only caring about the process and delivering the best possible job they can for the client. So... It's not about making the sale, it's not about pushing someone into buying, it's not about lying and cheating, it's about being in love with that person to help them, and in respect for yourself that you're not going to take no for an answer until you've handled every single objection, and that person is plainly not a good client, and then you make the decision, not them, that it's not going to be a sale because you're not going to sell them. Finding that mindset takes years of practice, but the, the thing you can do is to remind yourself why you're doing it every day, why you're in business. And one of the things I get my guys to do is to build a creed, which is to build a definitive series of statements about what's important to them. If you want a good example of a creed, Anthony Robbins does a piece at the Unleash the Power Within event called Now I Am the Voice. And it talks about putting aside the voice in your head that says that you can't do stuff and taking power in your life. Another good example is the Marine Corps of the USA have the rifle creed. And you probably, if you've seen Full Metal Jacket or um, any of those sort of Vietnam movies, you know, this is my rifle. There are others like it, but this one is mine. My rifle is my friend. Now you know, you look at the night watch in Game of Thrones, you know, <laughs> night, night falls and now my watch begins. I will take no throne. I will have no sons. I'm a badass motherfucker. You know, like, it's a warrior creed of, hey, this is what I'm here for. This is what I fight for. I think to put yourself in an emotional state, also, really great is music. So when you make a sale, put on your favorite rock song or your favorite rap song. You know, run around the house to Eminem for five minutes. Like, celebrate that shit. Or when you close someone into a no, celebrate <laughs> that. Okay. To feel good about the fact that you are the person who's the master. You are in control of your sales approach. You are the guy who is going to make it happen. Yeah?
0: Perfect. Very good. Um,
1: Celebration songs, awesome. Having your own personal warrior creed about why you're doing what you do. That When you get down, you look in the mirror and you scream that shit out to yourself. Putting yourself in a mindset of a warrior remembering what you're fighting for is for good and for wealth and for awesomeness, but you don't care about losing a sale and you don't care about the money, but you care about being the best at what you do. That's the real win, is if you love your process of what you do so much that you don't care about whether you make a sale, you care about whether you do your job properly, that's where all the sales come from.
0: Yeah, and sales coaches worldwide basically over and over say it's the guys who can handle their rejections over and over the best who make the most sales long term because they don't give up after like, because I've even seen people give up after they did get a sale, but then they get like 25 rejections and then they give up (laughs) even though they got a sale that week, you know, it's crazy. If you you choose what you focus on, like
1: I, I, I I say this from a point of view of like personal experience. There is no such thing as sales rejection. Rejection is, Gulliver, I found somebody else. They have a bigger penis. They drive a bigger sports car. They have more money and I'm leaving you. Even though we've been married for 10 years, I've had enough of your shit and I'm going to date this other guy so you can get the fuck out of the house, pack your bags. That's rejection. Now, If that happened to me, I would fucking kill myself. I love my wife. That would be the end of my world. Someone saying that I want to buy from you is not rejection. Yeah, you cannot you cannot take that shit personally. You can't be attached to victory or defeat. You can't be attached to making the money or not making the money. The only thing you need to be attached to is whether you did your job properly, whether you did your script properly, whether you handled your objections to the best of your ability and if you did that and you know you did everything you could and you moved the fuck on. It's done feet feet. And victory, you know, you get pissed for a couple of days, you go back to R&R and you get laid or whatever, yeah? Victory is not important. The sale isn't important. The sale will come if you do the process, and if you don't stop doing the process, you'll make more sales than anybody else. Victory is not important. The sale is not important. The outcome is not important. Yes or no is not important. Whether you did your job properly is important because that's where the money comes from. The process is important. The script... Polishing your performance until it shines like the sun. The armor of God. That is important. Loving your customer enough to call them even though it would be very easy to get scared, even though it would be very easy to decide to be a pussy and not make that phone call and get caught up in the shit in your head about how you're never going to make any money and all that crap that we like to do to ourselves. All of that stuff is unimportant. What's important is doing your fucking job properly. That's what's important. Having a system following it and doing it over and over again. No matter how things are going whether things are good or bad sticking to your fucking guns that's important
0: very good very 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 good yeah (laughs) sounds like you've been doing this for a couple of years (laughs) yeah you think so (laughs) (laughs) um so we're already 11 minutes over time so i really 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 appreciate your time Uh, I know you have lots and lots of stuff to do. So thank you very much. This is very valuable. Anyone listening to this should go to the yellow pages and implement this within the next five minutes (laughs) immediately. And I can confirm uh, some of the stuff I recognize. Some of the stuff is more advanced than what I'm used to. So that's very, very good. Very good stuff for everyone who's beginner and intermediate and advanced here. So very valuable. Thank you, Gulliver. Hi, man. It's an
1: absolute pleasure. Uh, if there's anything I can ever do to help, more than happy to help.
0: Uh, where can people find you again? Can you uh, remind them?
1: If you're scared of sales and you want to get over it, I can help you. Um, If you are good at talking to people but you have no script, you have no system, you have no objection handling and you're just kind of making it up as you go along, I can definitely help you. Um, And if you're a leader of business people, if you are uh, the person in charge of the business and you want to help your people get over their fear and bullshit around sales or you want to help your good performers improve so that you don't have to do all the work and you don't have to hold their hand all the time, I can help you put these systems in place so that you can stop having to worry about your sales people. So it, depending on what stage you're at, i will be doing different things for you. But any one of those three people, whether you're a rank newbie and you want to get better at it, or whether you're somebody who's good but would like to improve, or whether you're someone who's running a team and would like to get, get clear of having to manage it, and you want someone to come in and help you manage it and set up systems so that you're less attached to that team, um, those are the three things that I do from from a point of view of sales. So if you come to www strategic anarchy that's dot ycom um, there's a whole bunch of different white papers and books and reports or if you just want to make friends with me i'm gulliver gu double giles g-i-l-e-s on facebook um, reach out say hi I'd be more than happy to give you some free gifts. I've got some cool games and script building things and books and awesome stuff. So if you if you hit me up and you say Alexander Bitkin sent me, I will give you some gifts and I'd be more than happy to chat with you if you ever need any help.
0: All right. This was our show for today. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast if you like it. I'll see you next time.